This episode of the Disney Film Project is sponsored by touringplans.com. Head over to touringplans.com and use their tools to save yourself time and money when you are at Walt Disney World or Disneyland. You can use the Lines application on your mobile phone, use the crowd calendar to figure out which parks to hit which days, or use the touring plans to save time and money waiting in line. Touringplans.com is the sponsor of this episode of the Disney Film Project. Again, everybody, to the Disney Film Project podcast, the program where we discuss the films of the Walt Disney Company, including those that are not actually done by the Walt Disney Company, but just released by the Walt Disney Company, such as today's subject. I am your host, Ryan Kilpatrick. Uh, I am a blogger and uh, podcaster over at DisneyFilmProject.com, where we talk about the films of the Walt Disney Company. But that's not important. What's important here is that I am joined by my fun, fabulous co-host, and even more fun and more fabulous producer. First of all, we have Mr. Todd Perlmutter, who is a film buff extraordinaire, but also you may know him from his blogs over at touringplans.com. You may know him from his chief technical wizardry over at disneydrivenlife.com, or you may know him from Twitter as the man who knows all about the technological advances of the world. You may know him from his time machine appearances in your life, in your past. How are you, Todd? Hello. Wait, excuse me. I have to shut down the time machine. Okay. Please do, because if it's not shut down properly, then bad things, man. It's like crossing the streams. It's very much that way. <laughs> you may also know my other co-host, Miss Brianna Alessio. You may know her from her blog over at Adventures of Bree at adventuresofbree.blogspot.com. You may know her from her excessant uh, TCM tweeting. You may know her from her attractions blogging over at disneydrivenlife.com. And you may know her as a future Florida resident. Hello, Bree. Hello, Ryan. How are you? I, I am well. How are you this evening? Doing well. It's starting to warm up already in New York. It, it was 45 degrees out, which seems cold, but it's really not considering it's February. So. Exactly. We're doing well. And then, of course, we have our lovely and talented producer, Miss Cheryl Perlmutter, who you may know from her about.me slash Cheryl P3, where she goes on and on about the horrible mistakes that we make during this podcast or on twitter at cheryl p3 where we make lots of mistakes or as the renowned connoisseur of tofuti how are you this evening cheryl perlmutter i'm doing good no tofuti tonight i'm kind of disappointed all right so this evening we are discussing a film that could have come from a time machine and that is the secret world of arietti the first uh major release from disney this year uh as it is a studio ghibli film so if you're not familiar with, I, I, and I'm sure I'm pronouncing that poorly, so please forgive me. Oh, if you're not, it, it's Ghibli. Go ahead. Them, yes. Okay, so Studio Ghibli, right? Ghibli. Ghibli. Yeah. <laughs> what did I say? This will be half podcast here. All right, Studio Ghibli. Yes. Okay. Uh, the renowned Japanese animation studio uh, run by one Hayao Miyazaki. Yeah, uh, it's done such amazing films as Princess Mononoke, Ponyo, um, how many, many, many others that you may or may not have seen. Uh, but delivery he has, service. Kiki's delivery service. There's one more that we're missing. Howl's Howl's Moving Castle. Oh, well, that that's more modern. Um, I'm I just like to mention Kiki's because it's actually literally their most popular film. Mm-hmm. So I think it's important to mention. It is indeed. So Hayao Miyazaki is, is widely renowned as the uh, – Americans, he's known as the Walt Disney of Japan. Uh, and his films are renowned in the animation world. So when John Lasseter came to Disney, uh, Disney had already been working with Miyazaki on some things, but uh, they signed a deal with Studio Ghibli – thank you uh, – to release all of their future films uh, in America. So they redubbed the films with American voices. So, for example, in this version, Bridget Mendler plays the main character, Arietti. David Henry from Wizards of Waverly Place is the voice of Sean, the, the, uh, the main human character, and so on and so forth. Carol Burnett uh, turns in quite the performance here yes. as well. Uh, but Lasseter made this deal to release the films. So the first one they released was Ponyo, and then the second one is this one, The Secret World of Arietti. It, it should be noted that Disney's distribution rights are only outside of the country of Japan. Correct. Okay, because inside there's still a Toho Studios, so. 
Moises Arias, is, who, is also, who is also from Hannah, Montana. Yes. Um, is also in, also in this movie. Yes, he is. All right. So the, the film is based on an English book, which I know sounds strange because we were talking about a Japanese film released in America, uh, redubbed, and based on an English novel. So if you can follow that. Uh, but it is based on the book The Borrowers by Mary Norton, who I assume most of our audience has probably read, considering it is one of the top ten children's books of all time, according to several lists. Yeah. Yes. You know, you know what else is interesting about the dubbing is is the UK version has a completely different set of voice actors for dubbing. It does indeed, which yeah. is the first time that's happened. <laughs> it's kind of odd, actually. Yes, it is. Also, I think this is loosely based on um, a cartoon that used to show on ABC called The Littles. Uh, actually, the other way around. Oh. Littles is based on the book. Okay. Uh, yeah, uh, Disney actually has television distribution rights, I believe, to the borrowers, if I'm not mistaken. I think so, because there's there's been another – there was a another film there, – well, there's been several adaptations of The Borrowers, but some of them on TV, too. And I, I can't remember if one of those might have been a Disney film as well. Um, there, there, there was a 1997 movie with John Goodman. <laughs> maybe, maybe it was. I don't know. <laughs> Just saying. Yeah. Well, John Goodman does love him some Disney. Yeah. Uh, the, the idea, though, is uh, there's – you have to keep in mind that this is a – this concept of having little people, you know, living in your walls, right, yes. is very old and comes from this story because the story was from the 50s, like you said. Lots of things. It's not just the littles that have borrowed from it. I mean, the, the concept of the Smurfs it originally originates from this book and stuff like that. So it's yep. lots of things originate from this. Yeah. Uh, once we start talking about the plot, you'll all, you'll all probably go, oh, yeah, I remember exactly what that was. Uh, so this is – like we said, this film, based on that book, The Borrowers by Mary Norton, uh, the book tells the story, like Todd said, of a group of little people living in the walls. However, the differences between the book and the movie, which we don't necessarily have to get into in depth, but they're, they're significant because the book focuses a lot more on uh, Arietti and uh, the boy, as he is named in the book. He's uh, he's not named Sean, as he is in the film uh, – or uh, excuse me, the movie – focuses more on Arietti and Sean. The book focuses a lot more on the borrowers themselves. So yes. that's that's kind of the main significant difference between the two. But the, the, the plot of the film starts off with Sean arriving at this house uh, out in the countryside of Tokyo, um, which was anyone else struck by the fact that Sean narrates that he had to go live out and basically, I, he, I can't remember what he says. It's like the wilderness or the boondocks or something. And he pulls in and there's an apartment complex, like right behind the house. Was anyone yeah. else struck by that? <laughs> so yeah, remember, remember, this is how Tokyo is put together, right? Um, it, it's also important to notice that he is actually uh, in present day Koganai or Kojani or however you pronounce that, which is the um, actual location where Studio Ghibli is. Oh, I did not know that. Yes. Oh, okay. So this it, it's the story actually takes place in the suburb where they're lo where they're based, which is actually roughly at the geographic center of Tokyo, in case you were wondering. Okay. Which is not Lebanon, Kansas. No. No. Wrong movie. Got it. Yeah. <laughs> we've, we've watched we've watched a lot of movies lately, folks. You'll get that in a few weeks. Yep. All right. So Sean comes to this house to live with his aunt and uh, the housekeeper Haru, who is voiced by Carol Burnett. Uh, which, by the way, how awesome is Carol Burnett? Uh, totally awesome. Totally awesome and totally creepy at the same time. Yes. <laughs> I think yeah. that describes. I think that describes her in general. Yes. <laughs> yeah. I. So she plays a housekeeper in this movie. Now, is that intentionally because the housekeeper is her famous character? I was kind of wondering that. I kind of thought that. I don't know for sure, but it, it makes sense, right? Yeah, no one came out and said that, but I mean, you know, it's what she, it's how she got her start, right? So yeah, it's. Right. Uh, I, I wonder if that's what it was playing to, but man, was she creepy? Yes, creepy much so. <laughs> but she, but it's okay. It's she okay. did the role well. <laughs> yeah, yes, that would be an understatement. I mean, the character's supposed to be creepy, so yes. it's not. It's not terrible that she is, but it, man, there were points where it was like, oh my gosh. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Her, that, that, that face right there that she would make sometimes, the character, that scared me more than anything I've ever seen in any horror movie, like Poltergeist or anything <laughs> like that. 
Yeah, the one that Todd's making right now for those of you watching the video feed. Exactly. <laughs> uh, uh, fix video feed. Sorry. Continue. Oh, yep, yeah, yep. Yeah, fix the video feed. Okay. So yeah. Sean comes to the comes to the house, and while his uh, his aunt is trying to figure out, Haru has blocked the driveway. This is a running gag throughout the whole film. The driveway is always blocked. Uh, so Sean wanders off to the side of the house, and he sees a cat trying to get something in the bushes, but he can't figure out what it is. When the cat gets chased away by a crow, he sees this little person that he doesn't know who it is. But we know who it is because we track the little the little person, and it turns out that it's Arietti. Uh, so the title of the movie. Yes. <laughs> For those of you who didn't know that. Right. There we go. Uh, so Arietti goes inside to see her her mother Homily in their little house under the floorboards of the, uh, of the of the big house, and then her father Pod comes in. Who I have to say, I think Pod gives the best performance in the movie because mostly he just grunts. <laughs> Pretty much. So you you know this is played um, by uh, there there are a couple in real life. Did you know that Will Will Arnett and Amy Poehler they're, yes. they're actually husband and wife in real life. So it's kind of and this is the second time that they played a couple on. In a in a role, right? Because they do Arrested Development, also, right? Yes. Okay. Oh, the yeah. I was very impressed with um, the father's handiwork. That he that he was like MacGyver in Indiana Jones rolled into one. Come on. Yeah, he was. <laughs> yes. <laughs> he absolutely was. So I mean, that's that's the whole thing of the borrowers, right? If you haven't read the book or you haven't seen any other adaptations, I mean, it's basically they take all of these small things from around people's houses that the people won't miss, and they build their own little dwelling out of it. So this whole house is built under the floorboards with bricks and things, but it looks like an actual house. I mean, they have windows with fake pictures behind them. They have, you know, a kitchen. They have a bedroom. They have a well. They have it all, man. I mean, they've got it all, you know, right there where they need it. Yeah. I mean, it, it's wild. It, some of the uses, like you said, the, the pictures, their pictures are actually postage stamps. Yeah. Which, which is just awesome. I mean, it, it's one of the beautiful things in the movie, right, is their perspective. Yes. It's as, you, as you jump back and forth between Sean's point of view and Arietti's point of view, it's, it's just wild to bounce back and forth, I think. Yeah, I, I was going to say that. Uh, it was one of the things that struck me is the perspective because they, they go – that, that night, uh, Arietti's father takes her to, uh, uh, into the house to to get some sugar because her mom needs sugar and a piece of tissue paper. And the move – so like you said, when they're in their house and you see the perspective and, and she's getting things from the well, you, you just – it doesn't process because of the way it's drawn that, you know, hey, this is just a drip of water, right? It's not like a flowing faucet or anything. It's just a little drip. And as they walk through the house and through the nails that Pod has made into steps and everything, slowly the perspective grows and grows and grows until they get into the kitchen. And when you see the kitchen, it's this giant world. Yeah. And then later in the film, when Haru's stomping through the kitchen, it looks like a normal person kitchen. And it's not the same drawings. I mean, they redid the entire all of the backgrounds. You know. Sure. All over again to make those perspe- that perspective work, which, when you think about it, is a massive amount of work. Uh, it, it is. They it's really amazing. paid attention to detail. It was crazy. There, there's another point later on too when when it a similar thing happens. This is when she's on the roof and she, for the first time and she looks down. Yeah. And she realizes that the world is not the house. Right. Right, and they don't go into it in the movie, but it just to, from her point of view, you know, it's it's like. 15 feet from the house, but it looks like miles and miles of distance to her to get to that river and stuff like that. It's it's just wild yeah, when they do that. It's crazy. I mean, and, and the thing is, the one thing that you have to say, if you've never seen one of um, Studio Ghibli's movies before, thank you, thank you, they definitely take time to let the movies breathe. So, so comp- if you contrast the way that this this sequence of Arietti and her father getting the sugar and then eventually to the tissue paper, the the speed at which it moves with something like Tangled, for example, Tangled is rapid fire, you know, joke a minute, you know, gags, moving quickly, you know, cross cutting, that sort of thing. This is this is much more like an old fashioned film. 
there's not a lot of cross cutting. There's not a lot of quick, you know, quick moves, that sort of thing. I mean, the, what this sequence to me felt like it took about 15 minutes of just them moving from the house up the nails through the floorboards into the kitchen, you know, going to get the sugar, going into the other room, you know, all that kind of stuff. They let it breathe and it brings a, a lot more. I don't know if you call it authenticity, but do you guys know what I'm saying here? I, yeah. I felt what what it let you not do is you didn't have to feel that you were missing things. Yeah. Yeah, it was very slow moving and, and relaxing, not like a film such as Tangled, as Ryan was saying. Not that that's a bad thing, it, it was just different. Yeah, exactly, yeah. It's just a different flavor of, of animated film. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, I loved how he had made ramps out of things like crushed cans and it's it just on and on and on that the the gadgets he had made for his family were just amazing. Like you said, the, the water trough there that they had, that was like they had wrapped up a pipe and made it a, a single drip and it was like in a cracked ashtray so it would run out behind the house but also stay filled up in the house so that it would never overflow inside. I just thought that was, like, yeah. wild. Yeah. P- Pod's the man, dude. I, he, he, he is. He was soldering. He was soldering. Yeah, he was. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, she says it about her dad, too, at the scene that we're in the middle of, right? It, yeah. it, she, 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 said, she says, wow, dad, you are totally awesome, or something like that. It's like... Yep. Yeah. He's, he, he is the man. He's quite, he's quite the adventurer. He's totally and the adventurer and, you know, everything in between. Yeah. So the, the real inciting incident of the film, though, is when they go to get the tissue paper, they go into, through a dollhouse, which becomes relevant later. And they see this, this immaculate dollhouse, and Arietti wonders why they couldn't just live there. But Pod says it's not safe. And when they exit the dollhouse and go um, to get the tissue paper, they are, you know, very small people. So both of them have to yank on the tissue paper. And as they're doing so, the sugar cube that they retrieved from the kitchen falls to the ground. And Sean, who is laying on the bed, turns and sees Arietti. So that that's kind of the central conflict of the film because – We've learned earlier that the borrowers can't be seen, or else the the beings will will you know find them, try to catch them, that sort of thing. That's at least what they believe. Can, can I just say that I love this scene so much? The way that Arietti and Potter are on the tissue box. See, when they said tissue paper, immediately I just think of gift wrapping. You know, when you use tissue paper to line a right. box, not actual like Kleenex or something like that. Mm-hmm. And to see both of them on either end go to pull it out, it was so endearing. And I love how they, like I said before, they really paid attention to the intricate details of how each move was made. Yeah, it, it reminded me of uh, if you ever uh, had to assemble a small pup tent, it was almost like they were making the same move, movements but for a tissue. It was kind of odd. Okay. You know, it was, it was neat and odd and strange all at once, you know. Exactly. I was wondering if this scene would have been different had she not dropped that sugar cube. Because I wonder if they could have gotten away with saying that, you know, he was asleep and it was just a dream. Hmm. Because you're not really sure if he's awake at this point. Right. There was a moment there where I was wondering if he was sleeping with his eyes open and be just being really creepy. And then I realized (laughs) that he was actually awake. I thought that too, yeah. (laughs) I got the see. I took away the impression that he did that he wasn't sleeping well. You know what I mean? Because it it that's what I thought at least later after more is revealed about him. Mm-hmm. Do we know what his illness was exactly, or it was just a heart? Not just, but or was it a heart condition? It was a heart condition. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hmm. So we we find out that uh, Sean seen her, and as they come back to the to their home. Uh, you know, Pod is saying, you know, we don't need to tell your mother about this, so let's not worry about it too much. Um, you know, he may or may not do anything about it. Um, and, and so you think everything's okay until the next day when Sean leaves the sugar cube outside next to the vent where he first saw Arietti. And then that's when we figure, that's when Pod and Homily figure out that, oh, no, he knows that they're there 
and they have they're going to have to move. Yeah, yeah. it's sad. It is sad. It's kind of so. That was one thing. I was, that was another thing that I, I noted uh, while I was watching the movie. The movie has kind of a. I mean, I don't know if you call it sad, but it, it like the tone from about this point forward is very. I guess sad is the only word I can think of it, but you know what Som- I mean. Like it's somber. Somber. There we go. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I think part of it is the music, right? Which maybe we can just talk about for a minute. Absolutely. Right? I mean, here here's the thing. Did, first of all, I all niceness aside to Bridget Mendler, I don't like the song that they, that she provided to the movie at all, the Summertime song. Yeah. <laughs> okay? But my favorite song, the whole reason I ever wanted to go see this movie was not what I saw in the trailer, but that, that Around Us song that they play that's uh, by a guy named Yonsi. Mm-hmm. Okay? You know, I mean, the words in it, the music it said, it just really, like, tugs at my heartstrings. And I think it's, like, super appropriate for the movie. And I think the music throughout sets the tone. Uh, it's all done by a lady named Cecile Corbell. And she does uh, this kind of Celtic, you know, airy musical stuff all the time. And uh, it's just, it's just very, you know... It's touching, you know, just to hear the music. So it's kind of the sort of thing that just draws me instantly to the movie. Yeah. No, the, mu- the music is really fantastic. I think, like you said, though, it does set a somber tone. But I think the story itself somber. Even the original book, it, at this point in the story, is, is a little somber, right? Because the whole the whole issue here, and Arietti goes up to visit Sean after he leaves the Sugar Cube to, to kind of tell him to leave them alone. But the whole issue here is the back and forth between she doesn't know if there's any other borrowers out there, and he doesn't know if he's going to live past his operation. And we don't find that out in this scene, but you know that that sort of informs everything else from this point forward. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And and neither of those are really happy thoughts. <laughs> no, they are not. <laughs> And, uh, you know, it was a good point what Todd was making, too, about the music, because, as we all know, music is what drives the scene that is happening in a film. And it seems like this soundtrack was so perfect for this film, because they went hand-in-hand with the somber storyline. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, no argument. I mean, it's 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 just, it, it's an awesome marriage between the two aspects of the film. Yeah. yeah. And the other thing is the... Um, the artwork, the way that it looks, did, did anybody else get a flashback to Bambi? Especially the gardens and the, and the surroundings of the house? Oh, it's yeah, done in that, that same style. Point. Somewhat. Yeah. It, it, except it, it does that, but then when you get in clo- it, it's like I was saying before, it's got those two point of views going on, right? Yeah. So from Sean's point of view, it has that Bambi look to it. But when you're looking at things and you're seeing Arietti take up the whole screen... Everything is this, this incredible, super crisp detail. Yes. I mean, you see bug bites out of grass blades. It's crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's Great. the trick, right? That when they when they go to the human perspective, everything is sort of abstract, and it's you know, like like we talked about in the Bambi show, it's it's the impression of grass without the actual grass itself. But from Arietti's perspective, like you said, Todd, it's this incredible detail. It kind of speaks to, you know, humans might not actually see everything in the world around them. Right. Well, it's almost like, um, you met, because you mentioned it before, um, it's almost like the difference between the way the grass looks in Bambi and the way the grass looks in Tangled. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Very good point. Because I mm-hmm. remember back at the yeah. Tangled episode, we talked about how crazy detailed the landscaping was in that movie as well. So. Yep. That's right. Very true. But the the next the next part is is sort of um, an int- it's interesting because we have the dichotomy between you know the borrowers are now very very concerned, whereas Sean, however, is sort of heartened by by becoming I, not at this point and say friends with Arietti, but you know at least has conversed with her, and he finds out from his aunt that the dollhouse that's sitting next to his bed was actually designed by his mother and his grandfather. Mm-hmm. Uh, to, to house the borrowers because they both believed that that they lived there and wanted to give them a nice place. So everything in that house actually works 
and would be would be a perfect home for the borrowers, which I have to say is probably the biggest fake out in the movie. Yeah, right, because you, you, you keep yeah. hearing it referred to as a dollhouse, and you even, when they're inside it that first time, you just assume that's all it really is. Yes. Right. And, you know, but to know that there's actual copper pots and pottery and a working stove, it's just wild. I I wanted to go on their friendship for a second, though, because I think that, because it's the, it's the important part of the movie, is that the, you, ha- you have... Despite their size, these are two people who are enti- who are very similar, right? Uh, Sean points out that he's always been sick, yeah. and he's always been kept away from other people, and he's at home all the time, and he can't do very much. And she's trapped. She has, like you said, no other borrowers. So they both live these sheltered worlds where they're cut off from each- from others, and I think that's what brings them together. Yeah, yeah. they both crave somebody to talk to. Correct. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and if you think about it, she doesn't. Neither of them have someone that is their age that they can relate to. Like you're saying, I mean, it's just, you know. I I find it. You know, it's funny that you mentioned that because you know she's older than he is. Yeah, she's (laughs) fourteen. And he's twelve. Yeah. (laughs) I also found the 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 relationship with the parents. I thought that was really. A, a moving statement where she had this great relationship with her parents, and um, but 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 his, and his parents have basically shipped him off to her her to be cared for by the by her and watched over by the aunt. And I thought that was that was an interesting comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, no, you're have, absolutely right. Having having been through a divorce at his age. Not the most fun thing for a kid, so it's not surprising that the parents actually did that. Because I, I don't think it was because of the work, like like uh, his aunt says in the movie. I think it was because of the divorce that he was sent to this home. Mm. Wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. 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 So we get we get that story of the dollhouse being made for for the borrowers, which again, to me, like you said, the dollhouse being a fake. I still think it's the biggest fake out in the movie because here is this perfect house for them. Meanwhile, back to Ponderosa, Pod comes home from a borrowing mission and has hurt himself, but he's got this native borrower uh, who's in a, you know, a coat called Spiller, uh, who informs them that there's this place out beyond that they can move to uh, after he offers them some cricket leg for dinner. I love Spiller. <laughs> I love this guy. For, for some bizarre reason, I'm reminded of Chaka from Land of the Lost. <laughs> <laughs> not the movie, the TV show. The TV show, yes. Let's not pretend there was a movie. Let's please, yes, no. It was terrible. We can't talk Disney movie, so there we go. Yeah. There we go. Absolutely right. What movie? Yeah. This is not the movie you are looking for. I was just going to say that, I swear. Exactly. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so Spiller is, is, whereas Todd and Homily and Arietti, they're the, you know, the, what you'd call the city mice. <laughs> Spiller is the um, loosely based, I guess you'd call him sort of like a, a, a native. Uh, he's wearing, you know, loincloth and uh, a bow and a cape made out of a, an animal skin. He's He's definitely more rugged, shall we say. Yeah. He's like Pocahontas and Tarzan come together. There you go. It was pretty cool. He was like a superhero, actually. He reminded me of like Hawkeye and, <laughs> Hawkeye and Falcon. There we go. He does because when he leaves, he takes yeah. his cape and spreads it and just flies off over the trees, which is yeah, like a flying squirrel. Exactly. <laughs> maybe maybe that Spiller the Squirrel Man, Squirrel Boy. That's his superhero <laughs> name. Watch out but, for his sting. Sorry. <laughs> so, so Sean, of course, trying to you know he's trying to to make friends with the borrowers, not realizing that his actions are kind of you know forcing them out the door. And so he takes the kitchen from the dollhouse and puts it in the borrower's house, which to them is kind of like a nine point earthquake. <laughs> Instead of a nice gesture, it's scary. It was it was awesomely done though, right? Because I mean, it was literally terrifying to watch happen. Yes, it was. It was. <laughs> so it was I, I thought they very I thought terrifying. They well. yes. yeah. yeah, 
they absolutely did it well. I mean, it was uh, it was one of those things where you when you first, I mean, it basically just starts off as, as things just shaking, and you're going, "What in the world is going on?" Yeah. Did, did he plan for her to faint though? Because he also had the couch with him. Remember, because he puts the couch he behind did. her and she, <laughs> as she passes. Yeah, that was out. good timing. That's <laughs> impressive. Yeah. Uh, we know he didn't run upstairs for it, so. This is true. With his condition, he couldn't do that. So no. knowing knowing that, that Sean knows they're there, of course, the borrowers kind of speed up the process so they can get out the door. And Arietti goes to say goodbye, and this is where they have the sort of philosophical conversation where he says, perhaps there's none of you left, and then he talks about his heart condition. And it's like, wow, this is a bummer. That was kind of my feeling as I watched it. I'm like, Ooh. This yeah, is, this is harsh. <laughs> the, the whole conversation about about that basically boils down to we we all exist just to die, which which is a philosophical tenet, but still very heavy for a movie. Yeah, especially a movie that's supposed to be a kids' movie. I don't know that that though. I would I would say though I don't know that Studio Ghibli uh, is making kids' movies per I, se. You know what I mean? I don't feel that they do. I mean, we had so it's a pretty darkly themed movie for what's being presented as a kids movie yes definitely but yeah. that's that's what they do at studio ghibli i i agree i mean that ponyo was basically et which is you know et is a dark not necessarily for kids movie okay right. and a, ponyo follows that it's a little freaky mutant water baby and <laughs> that's a good way to put it yes <laughs> and um spirited away is definitely not a movie i would ever take kids to until they were teenagers and possibly off at college <laughs> yeah i would agree with that yeah. um but i mean I, this one i could see kids going to see but i suspect that it's probably kind of boring for a kid i, I can answer that question Okay. Because I took my kids with me. <laughs> and? Um, they were bored. <laughs> That's a good way to put it. Uh, they, sat, they sat through it. They, they, you know, I don't know if I would say necessarily enjoyed it. They, they did sit through it. They didn't complain. Uh, but they, it, they don't want to see it again, for sure. Yeah. I bet they'll appreciate it more when they're older. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. For sure. Um, and, and that's, I mean, because this is not a movie about, necess- in, in my mind, and I know I'm jumping the gun and I'm not saying anything specific yet. This is a movie you have you have to appreciate, not necessarily love. Yes, that's a that's a perfect description of it. That is, yeah. Because the, the artistry, the the d- detail, all the the music, all the things that we've been talking about, the simple art of it is unbelievably amazing. Yes. The, the plotting, the characters, the story, perhaps less so, to my mind at least. All right, so th- this whole this whole sequence with the kitchen um, causes even more trouble because Haru uh, comes back into the equation because Carol Burnett is crazy, as we have discussed. And <laughs> she, she has been thinking about these crazy little people living in the floor for quite some time. And she notices that something's going on and finds Hamali under the floorboards after Sean has uh, disturbed them and captures her and puts her in a jar in the kitchen. Um, she does this because Sean and Arietti are having another one of their philosophical conversations outside in the garden, uh, which, again, another conversation that is, frankly, depressing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, when the two of them are talking, it's one of those things that's hard to look away, but it's also hard to watch, if that makes sense. Yeah, it's almost revealing, like you're interrupting their conversation. Like, you shouldn't be there, almost. That's actually the perfect way to put it. Yeah. Good call, Bree. Good call. Yeah, it's it's very personal, you know? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. So, but Arietti hears her mother's scream, and they have to go back into the house and try to free her so that they can uh, escape. So Sean helps. Uh, meanwhile, Haru calls a pest control company, and it turns into something out of Benny Hill for a short time there. 
music. <laughs> Although I think if the Benny Hill music had been there, it would have been off-key, but it would have been really funny. Yes. <laughs> would have given it a little more of a light-hearted note to the film. Right? Exactly. <laughs> Uh, but there's all kinds of back and forth of, uh, you know, the pest control people. Haru locks Sean in, her, in his room, and uh, they have to escape. They have to go through another room. They get down to the kitchen, and then she almost traps them. But Arietti frees the uh, frees her mother and goes off to try and and, and make make their escape. Uh, when Haru figures out that um, something's up, and uh, meanwhile Sean's aunt comes back. It's kind of a whole like. Ball snowball rolling downhill, gathering snow as it goes, sort of a thing, right? Because everything is kind of barreling towards the conclusion of the movie. Uh, but Haru, when the ant comes back, uh, of course, all the evidence is gone because um, Sean destroys the house. Uh, Homily and Pod uh, escape uh, with Arietti, and they're off, you know, marching through the fields to to find Spiller to get to a new home. So, uh, and, and Haru gets her comeuppance because she tries to prove to everyone that the borrowers do exist, but she shows it to everyone, and the, or shows it to the ant and to the pest control people, and they all think she's crazy. <laughs> Which she kind of is. Yes, but not for that reason. Right, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> what are you, whatever are you talking about? <laughs> Like I said earlier, creepiest animated performance in a long time. <laughs> well, and it's not, just the, it's not just the animation. I mean, Carol Burnett's voice, like, she has this growling voice in some places that I'm just like, whoa. <laughs> yeah, which is funny because usually it's used for comedic purposes. So to see it like this was strange. Yeah, that's a good point. So this is what I meant by the big fake-out in the movie, though, because the dollhouse that was built for them that was a perfect home for them, and you're like, oh, that would be a great happy ending. Yeah, they don't get to live there. No. No, totally not what you're expecting. No. Uh, but the final, the final part of the movie is the cat uh, finds the borrowers as they're leaving and sees Arietti, and the cat finally uh, acknowledges her, because it's been trying to chase her other parts of the movie, and finally just acknowledges her goes back and gets Sean. Sean comes back to say goodbye, uh, gives her a sugar cube, and then she wishes him good luck, gives him her hair clip. Yeah, and so the borrowers go sailing away in their teapot, and uh, Sean narrates that he came back the next year to hear rumors of borrowers in the house next door. So uh, everybody lives sort of happily ever after. Actually down the street, Ryan. There we go. It was not next door because I I, I would d- debate that they would not go next door in, in fear of horror to start knocking on doors. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sure they were like, in an, if I were them, I would have been in another province, I'm just saying. But he does mention it, which is good because that lets you, you, you never find, that's how you find out that he survived his operation as well. Exactly, yeah. Right. Right. I, I mean, because part of the right. part of the really depressing conversations was that he didn't think he was going to survive his operation. Uplifting that, film. <laughs> yeah. That's, so I, I I wrote down some things that were like my favorite things besides what we've already talked about in the movie. I just wanted to. Yeah. Can everybody just kind of list off some things? Absolutely. All right. I'm going to say Ryan. Say something. Okay, my thing. my favorite thing uh, I mentioned it sort of was the the artistry of the backgrounds, and like we've talked about it already, but just the like when when Sean goes and lays out in the field, there's a couple of shots where we see the background as this slope, and you can see like each of the individual you know leaves and things like that are not actual leaves; it's just the paintings like we talked about during Bambi. It's just the, gives you the impression of leaves. But the cool thing is the the idea would be in like a computer animated film or in a live action film, when you see Sean walk down that hill, you would sort of pan up over the hill and follow him down or you would watch him walk towards the camera. This shot just stays perfectly still and you just see him walking down the hill in the distance. The foreground is in the focus, but he's in the distance. And I thought it's just such a beautiful shot. Uh, And they do it twice. Yeah. I love that. Right. Well, the rock in the field is a focal point throughout yeah. the movie. So, yeah. Bree. 
Um, I actually loved the difference between seeing everything from Arietti's perspective and then um, his perspective, Sean. Okay. Just the extreme difference. See, being five foot one, I could totally appreciate Arietti's <laughs> point of view on this one. <laughs> so, so, like, seeing everything so much bigger than herself, you know. Um, but, yeah, as I was saying before, I think I said it a couple of times now, just the detail that the artist put into this. It's, it's just amazing. I've never been a fan of the anime kind of um, animation, I guess, but this was just, it just blew me away. It was beautiful. Cool, cool. Because I like Ariadne when she's first starting and she climbs all the way up to get that bay leaf. I also like when the grandmother finds that they've been using, not, not the grandmother, the aunt finds that they've been using the grandfather's teapot and was impressed with her tea. I like that. Cool, cool. All right, well, one of my favorite things is the water in the movie. I, I was... I was... Because they're so small, so the to them, a drop of water is big. Yeah. Okay, I mean, there's this, there's a couple scenes where she actually cries, and the tears are so big that they can't, they can't, like... And she's so small, they don't run down her face. She has to wipe off these big, giant tears. Yeah. It's it, it's kind of... And then there's this other scene with the raindrops on her outfit, where mm-hmm. they don't kind of they don't kind of go into the mesh of her outfit. They just kind of sit on the outside, and she has to kind of wipe them off as these big, like almost like if you got like, you know, like chocolate pudding on you, but it's like a it wouldn't go through your clothes. I have still think I think of, but you know, it's the same idea. Um, mm-hmm. It was I, and that, and um, when they're pouring it out of the teapot, and everything is just one drop at a time out of the teapot. Yeah. Yes. But, but it takes two drops to fill up a cup of their size. Yes. Mm-hmm. I, I kind of dig that, and um, it, and the tea is—it's uh, actually green tea. That's the cool thing about it. I mean, it, there's not a lot of references to the fact that this is a Japanese movie taking place in Japan, but the green tea and the chopsticks are like two of them in the whole movie. Right. right? Right. Um, it, it's kind of cool. I, I have more, so I want to keep going around. Something not not about the artistic value, but just about the movie itself, Ryan? Uh, I, I Well, we've talked about Carol Burnett. That was my favorite performance in the movie. But specifically the part um, where she's in the kitchen when Sean and Arietti are in the kitchen trying to save her mother. Just the, just the under-her-voice grumbling. <laughs> Oh, now he wants a cookie, you know, that kind of stuff. <laughs> that cracked me up. I mean, cool. that that was a nice moment of levity in a in a movie that did not have many. <laughs> she was well, she was the comic relief, so I completely, you know, I can I can completely see that. I mean, that's what, you know, you were there. she was there for that purpose. Yeah, exactly. Brianna. So, you know when you're watching a film and there's that one moment that really tells you, wow, I have a connection to this. Yeah. Wow. Like, wow. Like, wow. Like, wow. (laughs) I completely had that moment when um, Arietti allowed Sean to turn around for the first time to see her. When their eyes met, I got tears in my eyes. I don't know why. I can't explain it. But I connected to that film right then, right there. And when that the breeze is blowing through her hair and the breeze is blowing through his hair, there was just something about that moment that screamed, not only screamed Disney to me, but, <laughs> I mean, it was just so sweet and kind and love that scene so much. I just had a few others that I wanted to mention. One, I loved that even though they knew they were called human beings, because he actually uses that phrase, they keep referring to them as beans. Yeah, which is straight from the book. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I, I know. I just, I, I just like it because it, 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 uh, it was meant in a derogatory way, which was kind of sort of. I mean, here they are; they're the small ones, right? And you would think that they would be the derided ones, but it's the other way around, right? So right. I kind of, I that was that was interesting to me. Um, I thought. The moment where he puts the sticky tape on and climbs up the table 
was the coolest awesome. thing in the movie. Yeah. Right? <laughs> totally. I loved it. I just like, I mean, that's, that's, I, that was what Pod was my favorite character because he was just the coolest guy ever. Exactly. <laughs> um, I, I love the perspective when she's riding on his shoulder. Yes. Because they keep spinning the camera around and they keep going in and out from his face at normal size to her face at normal size and back. And it was just, it was like, it was like you were on an amusement park ride but on a screen almost. Yep. Mm. Okay, that's what I really liked about it. And similar to the scene where she's on the rock that you mentioned, Bree, I also liked the scene where she's outside his window hiding behind the leaf. Yes. Because I thought that was just a clever, you know, where he, he knows she's real, and she doesn't want to admit that he knows she's real, so she's hiding, and it, it was just very cute, the whole scene back and forth like that. I just yeah. got yep. out of it. Can, can I just make mention of that scene, too? Yeah. The part where the crow gets his beak stuck in the screen, and she the she comes in and screams. I was yeah. laughing so hard in the theater. Oh, that was fantastic. <laughs> I, I don't know. That scene was painful to me. <laughs> I don't know. That, really? Was it, I'm with you. I'm with you because I was watching that and I'm going, oh my, get get it out. Just stop. <laughs> I felt bad for the bird. I felt bad for Arietti. I felt yes. bad for Kid, the yes. window. <laughs> and I, I just wanted to say this, that there was one quote from another movie that we loved so that I just wanted to say reminded me of Arietti. Tiny but mighty. <laughs> Going back to the Chihuahua films, of course. <laughs> <laughs> the, the beloved. Oh wait, no, they were They're not beloved. Not, not no. beloved. No, no, not so much. No. The Beverly Hills Booty. If there's someone who yes. loves them, I'd love to hear about that. <laughs> I, I I would love to to get that person some help. Yes, do do tweet us and let us know so we can begin looking into therapy for you, please. <laughs> have you heard they're making a third movie? I unfortunately oh, no. have. Oh dear. <laughs> That's yeah. Good. No, so that's 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 bad. That's yeah. no. What can you do? Yeah. Nothing. No. All right. Uh, the Secret World of Arietti has done quite well in Japan. Made lots and lots of money. Um, so to me, this film makes the statement that hand-drawn animation still has a place, and it needs to coexist with computer animation and not be replaced. Because there's things like we talked about that they do in this film. That you can't do in computer animation, and it's just a different kind of storytelling. It's not, and I think too often these days, hand drawn has become just a different version of the same kind of storytelling you'd find in computer. Because like we've talked about, you know, there's so much computer animation in hand drawn this these days. Right, especially with Princess and the Frog. Yeah, but in this, I would be shocked if there was any computer work done. Yeah, perhaps to lay out the film, just because that's how film is generally laid out these days, is on a computer. But other than that, probably not. Yeah. All right. So uh, let's rate the secret world of Arietti. Uh, Miss Cheryl, what did you think? Two point seven five. Not Fair quite enough. the three, but better than better than Chihuahuas. Not a oh. hard thing. Yeah, definitely. Exactly. <laughs> Miss Brianna, your thoughts? Um, I was actually going to give this three and a half, but just looking at all of the hard work that went into this and putting aside my opinion more so than appreciating the beauty of the film, I'm actually going to give this a four. Um, it's not that I would sit and watch it every day uh, be- because of the tone of the film, but just appreciating it for what it is and the dedication that went into it. Um, I'm going to give this one a four. All right. Impressive. we got a wide variety of opinion here, uh, Mr. Todd. What are your thoughts? Um, so I I both liked and disliked this movie. <laughs> <laughs> um, it, there's, there's a part of me that lo- loves watching it and, like I said, loves listening to it. Um, but there's a part of me that feels that it's even for a Studio Ghibli film, it's really slow-paced. It's not to say something like Castle in the Sky isn't... It's not a fast movie, but yeah. it, it moves much faster than this movie does. Yeah, it's, it's true. Yeah. It's, uh, so 
and that's that's really my biggest problem with it. It's just too slow paced. I don't see kids being able to sit through this as evidenced by what you were saying. Um, and um, I, I don't even think it's a kids movie, and it's a G movie, which is a shame. That because why why bother going for the G rating if you're not actually going to make it be a kids movie? Right. Okay. So I I sort of feel that perhaps even the money that it's made is almost inflated because of the false pretense that it has for people to take their kids to it. Yeah. That's I I just kind of sort of feel that way. So uh, mm-hmm. for me though I'm just going with the three because it's just it's right in the middle you know it's neither great nor nor wonderful but it is gorgeous so three. Yes I I I will agree with you with the three because. If you just went artistry alone, it's a five. I mean, the painted backgrounds alone are just, you know, I could sit and stare at those and, and just the intricate details that we talked about, the perspective and everything. But the story, like you said, is where it falls down. It's very slow paced. Um, I, I actually was very tired watching the movie, uh, not because I was tired walking in, but it's just it kind of lulls you to sleep a little bit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's it just lets like alternately lets things breathe and sometimes stretches a little too long. Um, but if you're watching it and just looking at the, the, the pretty pictures and the and the backgrounds and, the, and all those sorts of things, it is enjoyable to watch. I think it is very somber, like you said. Um, so uh, my kids won't be watching it again, I can tell you that. Uh, but I probably will just to, you know, enjoy the the art of it. Uh, yeah. But yes, I would I, I would agree with a rating of a three. Cool. Actually, it makes me want to go back and watch some of their other movies. But It does, yeah, I agree. So until next week, you can keep in touch with us. You can let us know what you think of this show. Go over to DisneyFilmProject.com, and you can leave a comment on the show notes there. You can tweet us at DizFilmProject, or you can go over to Facebook and search for Disney Film Project and let us know what you think of the show there. You can keep in touch with all of us on our various and sundry blogging platforms. You can check out Todd and myself over at touringplans.com. Check out Bree's attractions blogs, my film blogs, and Todd's chief technical wizardry over at disneydrivenlife.com. And you can keep up with Cheryl's travails trying to keep this podcast together at about.me slash p 3 And also, don't forget to check out Magic 24.7. Listen to the box office report sponsored by us here at Disney Film Project. So go over to magic247radio.com and listen to that show so you can check out the box office report. So until next week, folks, keep it watching the movies. My heart is stronger now because you're in it. When I saw you, I just wanted to find a way to protect you. Strange things have been happening here, and I know why. How do you know you're not the last of your kind? <laughs>